This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. I said... Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru. I'm the TOS editor for the network. With me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's going okay. Stepped in gum today. Oh. That was fun. But it'll be okay, because with any luck, there's a hell, and whoever spit their gum out onto the sidewalk will go there. <laughs> and you're a shoe guy. This is a big deal to you. And they were brand freaking new shoes, too. Oh, I just gosh. got the Nike Flyknit Lunar 2s, like, on Monday. And then today, I stepped in them. I stepped in gum. Not with one shoe, but with both shoes. So that was fun. But anyway. Sorry to hear that. That's okay. That's okay. Well, today we're going to talk about other people who have terrible luck. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> Good job. The guy who invented the Segway, because he fell off a cliff on the Segway. Yes. No. Not him. Chekhov. We're going to talk about Chekhov. Maybe Chekhov did invent the Segway. Maybe he did. I'm sure a Rus- he would insist it was, that it a was Russian... a Russian guy, yeah, for sure. Yeah. A Russian invented the Segway. Mm-hmm. So it's another character episode and Chekhov, which both begin with C's. So it's another double C character study Chekhov comment. Mm-hmm. So Chekhov wasn't around in the first season, though apparently he was around, just not on screen. Yeah, he was Because Khan remembers him. Yeah, yeah. He just wasn't part of the bridge crew, which is impressive that Khan can remember random people. And as as Walter Koenig will say at conventions it's probably because Chekhov cut him in line in the bathroom and Khan swore revenge yeah oh, I'm just gonna say this up front I don't know if it's Koenig or Koenig I've heard both I'm gonna mm-hmm. go with Koenig but if I'm wrong just pretend I said Koenig the whole time and I'll go with Koenig all right and then so our base and are then covered. so we'll both yes okay. one right. of us will be right all right uh Chekhov was added during the second se- before the second season came on uh, the monkeys had become a, a huge deal in between the first and second seasons. And so uh, Roddenberry, in his infinite money wisdom, decided that he would uh, capitalize on this by having a British uh, invasion character, pretty much. Uh, you know, have the hair and the accent and all the little girls go crazy over it. But he knew what audience he wanted to get in, which was everybody. And so you would add that. But then, whether or not there was a... There's some debate on whether or not uh, a Russian newspaper pointed out to Roddenberry that there should be a Russian on the bridge because of the, the steps that they did in, the, in their space program and uh, the firsts that they had. Either way, Roddenberry decided to make it Use the same character, but instead of have an English accent, have a Russian accent and make him Russian and very proud to be Russian. 
it it makes sense in, in a lot of ways because for one thing you do have the space thing you know and you're acknowledging that but i think more importantly you've got the cold war thing and to say mm -hmm. like hey look in the future we're going to be working together that's making a pretty big statement right there yeah that is that is a big deal it's kind of like in the last episode when we were talking about star trek 6 and how you know it was an analogy of the cold war and stuff here it is still the 60s still the height of the cold war and star trek is going out of its way to have a russian character on the bridge and everybody gets along with him they treat him like dirt but they get along with him <laughs> but i think that's just because he's an ensign that's yeah he's just a they, young guy they just right i'm gonna come out and say it that uh the checkoff is the tos version of poor dumb harry in voyager poor pdh he had a precedent always an ensign well, I mean, at least Chekhov got promoted in the in the movies. He was always he's always the butt of the joke. He's if a character's going to die, or at least it appears that he's going to die, it's going to be Chekhov or Scotty. But usually Chekhov. Mm -hmm. um, if it's going to be the guy who's unlucky at love, it's Chekhov. It's just poor guy. Yeah. What can you do? Uh, I I tried to make a list of the poor things that happened to him just in relation to women. He was. Tempted by the women robots in iMud, and uh, it seemed like he was having a pretty good time there. And I imagine that uh, he had more than a good time. <laughs> in Spectre the Gun, he falls in love with the woman who's convinced that it is her boyfriend because they're pretending to be the one side in the, uh, in the OK Corral fight. And the lady who's in love with his character, he starts acting irrationally like that character would. I guess he instantly fell in love with the girl. I don't know. Yeah, you and know happens. his ex-girlfriend became a space hippie mm -hmm. in, in Way to Eden. And that's just... He also had a uh, had that weird yellow girl fall in love with him in Gamesters of Triskelion. Mm -hmm. uh, the, his trainer lady who kept trying to seduce him. The, the, you're going through these and talking about how he's unlucky in love, but to me it sounds like a bunch of women are just throwing themselves at him. So... Where's the well, unlucky they're, part? They're robots or figments of his imagination or his slave trainer. I don't see what the problem or here is. Or space hippies. Space hippie. <laughs> <laughs> For me, at least, in the TOS, he's best remembered as being... He's the only one who's not affected by the aging disease in the deadly years because he freaked out and screamed like a girl. Mm -hmm. Like, because he was so unprofessional as to see a dead body and scream like a girl, th that's what he's best known for as being, oh, well, he's the key to it. Why isn't he the one who got sick? Well, because he's got the, because he screamed like a girl. <laughs> and I, I feel bad for him. My, my, my favorite uh, original series episode with him is, I think, the first one that he was in, or at least shot or whatever, which is, I think it was Who Moans... Who, who mourns for Adonis, where, like, the whole time he's like, hey, hey, this is fun, we're having fun, and then everyone's just kind of, like, making fun of him. Yeah. Like, the whole time. I liked that. That was good. That was good stuff. I mean, that's that what fun. I'd be like in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Look at this. This is cool. Did I tell you guys this story? Yes, yeah. yes, you did. Yeah. Oh, man. I want to be like Spock. Right. Lists all the creatures who, who can also, you know, generate electricity. And they're they're all just making fun of him constantly. Yeah. Because why not? What's really disappointing is that he didn't even get cast in the animated series. 
Chekhov is so such the butt of the joke that they're replacing with a three-armed alien. I'm sorry. And no one seems to care. At any time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anytime that the three-armed alien is pretty up, I instantly flash to Max saying, like, that third arm on that alien, that's actually his penis. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so what were we saying? Okay. No, see... To me, I always thought that, I mean, I don't know the story behind that, but I always thought that was them being like, okay, James Doohan, are you in? And he's like, of course, I can do all the voices. And, you know, uh, George Takei, are you in? And I was like, yes, I have nothing better to do, and I want to be on Clone Wars one day, and, and all that stuff. And then they get to Walter Koenig, and he's like, mm, no, but I'll write an episode. And they're like, <laughs> fine. You know, because he does write an episode of the show. Oh, okay, good. So that's, which to me is infinitely cooler, um, even though the episode is still terrible, just like all the episodes in the animated series, aside from yesteryear. But um, that to me was just, that, that was his choice. I, I always got the impression anyway. I don't know for sure. But yeah, that's the impression that I get. It was his choice. Okay. Because what I was reading was that it was just a budget thing. Oh, well, like, that could be too. I imagine that they, yeah. which to me seems like they were just going down the list and <laughs> they got to the uh, bottom kind of like i'm imagining it's like fantasy football yeah if, yeah or i've done something where you like you have to like rank everybody and uh, you know how much that you're willing to offer them and then when you run out of budget you run out of budget and i imagine they're just going through the list and it's like shatner we offer this much money and you know uh you know uh deforest we offer this much money and and, and nemo we offer this much money and then they they've got like five dollars left and they're like all right are we missing anybody? Yeah, Walter Koenig. Five dollars? He's like, no. And they're like, oh. <laughs> they're like, well, we have enough to pay you to write something. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll take it. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I mean, mine, <laughs> mine was just speculation. But yeah, that, 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 that seems to make sense. Yeah, yeah, it seems like they just went down the list and was like, oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. We need somebody to fill that post. Why yeah. don't I have Jimmy do and do a voice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which they could just have him done everybody's voice. Well, they practically did. Yeah. <laughs> the last few times we've had a character discussion, uh, we end up focusing on the movies because they, that's when they get their you know big character arcs and they learn and grow as characters. Chekhov still doesn't. We're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel with these characters because <laughs> we're really getting to the point where it's like they really were just there because they had another seat on the bridge. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we can talk about Scotty a little bit, but like Chekhov, it's pretty thin, you know? Yeah. Let, let me list the things that I wrote down that he does in each movie. In Star Trek One. He burns his hand. And screams like a girl. And screams like a girl. Not even like a girl. He screams like, I don't know what, like one of those uh, um, air raid sirens, which goes off at 10 a.m. every (laughs) Tuesday morning, the first Tuesday of each month. That's what he screams like. Okay. And then then Aaliyah comes and and heals his hand. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she's got magic powers, well, which come into the plot for no, no, no he doesn't. He doesn't. She doesn't do that. Well, she does in the director's cut, but she doesn't in the theatrical cut. Okay. In See, the theatrical the cut, they cut. they just get a uh, chapel to come over and spray some stuff on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. 
so that's even worse. In the theatrical cut, he just screams and then Chapel mm-hmm. sprays him. In Star Trek Two, he gets a promotion. He works on a different ship. Maybe he won't be the the PDH at that point. Nope, nope. He gets mind controlled and then ends up trying to kill people. But to his credit, he does fight off and survive the Seti Eel, which none of Khan's people could, and they're you know vastly superior to the regular humans. There's two things about that which I think is interesting. One, I've heard, and I I don't remember where I heard this from, but I think it was from him, right? That like, for whatever reason, I get the impression that he was kind of like the Will Wheaton of the original series and that he was the guy who was actually like a fan of the show eventually. I know he said he didn't watch it in the first season because he thought it looked terrible. But I get Mm -hmm. the impression that like after the fact, he became a fan of the show. And from what I've heard, I think from him... He was like the basically fan advisor sort of on Star Trek Two. Oh. And they gave him the script and were like, Tell us what's wrong. And he saw this. <laughs> he saw that, you know, he was, you know, had this role which was definitely um meant for someone who would know who Khan was. And when he read it, he was like, I wasn't on that episode but there's no way that I'm telling them that because (laughs) then my role will be down to nothing once again. So he intentionally did not alert them to this so that he could get a better role, which when you think about it, just all the way around in terms of everything and what came later and everything like that, it really would have made a lot more sense for it to be Sulu. He would be Mm -hmm. the guy who was up for promotion and everything like that, you know, Sulu is the character that makes sense for that role, but it went to Chekhov. So good for him. Yeah. And the other thing about that is my favorite Chekhov moment, maybe of all time, aside from the scream in in motion picture, is when Kirk and Marcus are having their heart to heart talk. And, Mm -hmm. you know, right before she's like, let me show you something that will make you young is when the day was new or something like that. And the whole time he's there. And yep. he's a he's awake. He's moving around and stuff. He's listening to everything, and you know that after the fact, he's like, "Ura, hey, hey, listen to this, Kirk. Who is that lady?" And and he and she and the kid and the oh my god! And then it just spread like wildfire throughout <laughs> the entire ship. Did you know that Captain Kirk has a kid? Did you know? yeah. And he, yeah, it's that guy over there. It's that guy over there. <clears throat> yep. Yep. So I like that. I like that. That that's good. I I always forget about that. That he's. I I did notice him once, and I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Moving on. In Star Trek Three, he uh, he, hmm. He, he flies he, the sh- no. He doesn't fly the ship. He he, he, he needs takes to over run a science, science officer because you know. And then and that that's pretty much it. Yeah. He beams down to the planet, gets captured by the Klingons, and then. He really sort of is like the guy who does whatever anyone needs him to do. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like, like to make an analogy to the 2005 White Sox, he's their Willie Harris. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Was he a man who played multiple positions on that team? Yes, he's he's a, a utility player, as they call it. And that's what Chekhov is. He's a utility player, you know? 
he's the navigator on the original show. Then in um, Star Trek, the motion picture, what does he do? I is think he still chief security? He's security there. Okay, I think because then then he's a first officer in Star Trek Two, and then in Star Trek Three, they need him to run science station, and then Star Trek Four, you know, they're doing whatever. He's navigating, I guess, in that one, right? Mm-hmm. And then by Star Trek Five, he becomes the chief of security, even though, and he's sort of like you know a jack of all trades, but a master of none because you know like like in Star Trek Six, he's like. Why wouldn't they just uh, vaporize them? And it's like, how right. do you not know this? How do you not know <laughs> this? Do you? I mean, I'm guessing that you need to fill out the monthly report to make sure that the um, vaporizing alarm w- is working. You know, and he has and to that, test it monthly. Right. Or... Exactly. So, um, whatever. You know, that's that. That's that's Chekhov. <laughs> Yeah, so in three, he does whatever's needed of him. In four, he gets captured, interrogated, and hospitalized. Yeah. And they have to break him out. In five, he gets lost in a forest. He gets mind-controlled again. He also provides uh, the sound effects for the uh, snowstorm. This is true. Which is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And he has to pretend that he's the captain of the ship, which is pretty cool. Yes, he does get to do that, and... I I love that. Mm-hmm. I love the you know this is Captain Chekhov. He's good. The USS Enterprise. And, and here he is doing whatever's needed to be done. Pretend to be the captain, including figuring out what B as in barricade means. Yes, because B how barricade. would you know? Because that doesn't make any sense. B as in open up the doors just wide enough for us to squeeze through, and then put that the put that net up, which has nothing to do with the barricade. It has everything to do with the barricade. <laughs> Okay, if you say so. <laughs> it's a barricade to keep... The net is a barricade to keep the shuttle from hitting the back wall. Is that what it is? I guess. Okay. Maybe. All right. I never thought about it, really. It's just, just as long as I like that line. B. Whenever somebody's just as B, I'm like, B as in barricade. Yep. And in Star Trek Six, he uh, gets to be racist, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. He gets a hangover, and... Uh, he gives a big speech about Cinderella to an alien who can't fit into any shoes. He also um, gets to magically jump to the captain's chair from one shot to the next. Does he? I never for noticed. His, for his big line, guess who's coming to dinner? Because they had obviously cut something out. Wait a- So he was sitting at his navigation station, and then if you cut, when they cut to the next shot, he's sitting in the captain's chair. Huh. But or anyway. they just realized he wasn't in frame that they wanted. It's like just sit in the captain's chair. People are going to notice. Nobody's going to notice. No, because because if you if you look at the scene, it makes sense that he would be in command. So they did cut out something where there was some okay. business with him walking. But as a result, it, it's there are clocks all over the bridge. I'm sure that yeah. if they cut something out, we'd be able to tell. Yeah, <laughs> those poor clocks. I can't imagine trying to keep continuity. With those clocks at every corner of the bridge that are only on the bridge for that one movie. Now, now it'd just be uh, digital inserts, of course. Yeah, just yeah. blue screens. Yeah. So poor Chekhov doesn't get much of a break in the movies. In the new movies, would you say that that he's a little better? I I would say he's not really. He's still the least fleshed out character. Yeah, but he still. I guess he has more stuff to do. But. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about the new movies is he's literally a different 
person in these. Like literally, yeah. he is made up of different physical matter. There was a different sperm and a different egg which formed to create the Chekhov in the JJ verse. Because for some reason, who knows what it was? And I want to see the uh, comic book, you know, the uh, countdown to Chekhov, as uh, <laughs> I would call it, where they explain <laughs> how Kirk's, uh, you know, or whatever, the, the Narada coming back through the, the thing led to Chekhov's parents having sex like six years earlier and him being uh, so much older than he is in uh, the original timeline. Because he is. And mm. that annoys the crap <laughs> out of me. I mean, if you're going to do this, at least try to take it seriously. And I know you want to get everyone on board because of the thing and the whatever. How about doing this? How about let's have Janice Rand in the first movie and then maybe... You could bring Chekhov into the second movie. Wouldn't that be oh. interesting? Because it's a thing with the thing. Because it's the, like the seasons. And then yeah. he wouldn't be 13, which is how old he's supposed to be <laughs> at the start of Star Trek 09. So anyway, enough of that rant. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, literally, he is a different character. It's like Whiz yeah. Kid, Russian Whiz Kid. He's not a whiz kid on the original series. No. He's the opposite of a whiz kid. He's kind of <laughs> dumb, you know? And this one, he's just like, yes. And I guess that's their way of explaining why someone so young would be on the bridge of, of the ship. But mm -hmm. that's not that's not his character. So, yeah. That rant was for everyone who's sick and tired of me talking about how awesome Star Trek 09 is. <laughs> it does have problems. <laughs> But yes, this Chekhov is a whiz kid, and he does uh, is able to fill any role that they're able to have him fill. Uh, when he needs to fly the ship, he flies the ship. When he needs to transport people who are falling from a platform, which I like better in the novelization. In the novelization, Chekhov says, I can do that, I can do that. And he pushes a button <laughs> on his console where he's sitting, takes command of the transporter room from where he's sitting... And pushes the button to, you know, and then tracks them and beams them up as opposed to running through the hallways to the nearest transporter room. Yeah. Yeah. Which on this huge ship that's bigger than the Enterprise D might take him 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. I thought that too. Although that shot of him running down the hallway, it's a pretty awesome shot. You got it. Got a cool Dutch angle on yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty cool shot. And then. When Scotty resigns in the second movie, in Into Darkness, he gets to be chief engineer, and he doesn't need, like, a refresher course. He can just jump from jump from navigation to chief engineer and be able to fly, for the most part, except for, you know, all the sabotage that Robocop did. Sabotage? Sabotage. You say sabotage, I say sabotage. <laughs> Don't think I didn't notice that last episode. <laughs> But, you know, to be fair, he is kind of freaking out about it, and he's not that tremendously good at it. And there's that shot, that, 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 that amazing shot, maybe my favorite checkoff moment ever, aside from the screen and motion picture, where they have that sort of like double entendre, where they're like, you're the new chief engineer, go put on a red shirt. And then they, yeah. he has this look on his face like, what? Like absolute <laughs> dread. And, you know, 
What it's supposed to mean is, you want me to be chief engineer, but what it really means is, you want me to put on a red shirt? Oh, no. <laughs> I am going to die. I love that. Yeah, that that's good. Yeah. it's And it's not just a regular, you know, cheap little red shirt joke. It's a, you know, it could be interpreted as being him being scared of, you're it, in charge now. Have fun. They, they they earned that joke, definitely. And it, and it paid off. I don't know when you saw it, if people were laughing, but when I saw it... Mm-hmm. I no, it worked. It. Yeah, it was it was it was good. I I, re- I remember reading rumors before the movie came out, uh, because people were going through the trailers frame by frame and yeah. they saw Chekhov in a red shirt, and they were all like, Chekhov's gonna die. Yeah, because he's like, in a he's red shirt. A red shirt. Why is he wearing a red shirt? Which to me, it made more sense that he would become chief security in the second movie because that's what they did in in the movies originally. Yeah, was got him off Navigator. Maybe he was never on Navigator because uh, the Erex, the three-armed alien guy. Maybe. Maybe maybe he was irreplaceable, and so they tried replacing him with Ilya, and it didn't work. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That could be. Yeah. I, I found another story. Uh, apparently, uh, during the seventh season, Naren Shankar said that they were going to write a episode with old Chekhov. On Next Generation. On Next Generation. He said, it never went anywhere. I was working on a Chekhov story where he returns as a prisoner of war from a planet where he was imprisoned for many years and finally released. Now he has come back as an ambassador to help the Federation open up diplomatic relations, like Vietnam, essentially. The story was going to be about Worf and Chekhov because they're both Russian, and Worf has heard about him, and they strike up kind of a friendship together. Throughout the course of the negotiations with these people, it appears as though Chekhov is sabotaging them. It turns out that he is plotting to use the Enterprise to lay waste to their capital for revenge and to screw things up for the Federation because he feels they abandoned him and let these people torture him. Which sounds dark. Yeah, I had never... Really dark. Yeah, I, I had never heard that... Uh... That, that idea before, but it's, it's really interesting. I can see why they ended up not doing it because that would take Chekhov to some dark places, and I don't think that they were ready to do that on that show. But uh, it would have been really cool, you know? That would have been, like, I think one of the definitive, if not the definitive uh, Chekhov show, you know? Yeah, it sounds like he would have had some character to to work with there. I would find it stretching credibility because he'd be so old by that point. Like yeah. Dr. McCoy being there and being old, he's a doctor, I'm sure that, you know. But he was really old. But, and but then, I imagine that, that he was taking drugs and stuff to stay alive, or, you know, hyposprays. But, like, Chekhov being tortured by an alien culture, are they going to bother to keep him alive? But then I guess and super old. The other thing about that is that he is substantially younger than McCoy, right? Yep. Yeah, maybe okay. Maybe he's only a hundred. So, let me let me look this up. Uh, check off birthday. So he would have been like a hundred and twenty-five years old. I guess that is a little old. That is a little. Although, old. did you hear about this guy? He's apparently like. Um, it's documented that he's like the uh, oldest person in history. He's 126 years old. He was born oh, in 1888, apparently, if his birth certificate is accurate. And wow. they're like, yeah, he's fine. You know, 
He's not. He's completely healthy. He takes a pill for his appetite, and uh, aside from that, he's he's good to go. Wow. So you know, Chekhov, okay. Chekhov could theoretically, they would have had to put on a lot of age makeup and stuff, but yeah, yeah. And uh, I forget which one it is. I think it's the new Tim Russ uh, special, mm-hmm. where Koenig is playing old Chekhov in the twenty fourth century. So mm-hmm. there you go. Maybe they'll touch on that. Yeah, and of course he was in that episode of Phase Two. But that was he was playing playing old young Chekhov, hyper age accelerated. Yeah, a lot of people love that episode, and that's the episode where Chekhov dies, dies for real, and then is alive in the next episode. (laughs) Because why not, right? Yeah. Mm. (laughs) We did forget the last appearance of Chekhov, which was Star Trek Generations. Oh, in Generations, where, where he doesn't do anything again. No, but oh, he... Oh, no, no, no. He shows... Where he plays the role of Dr. McCoy. Doctor, yes. See? So one more. He can do it all. Command, security, navigation, engineering, doctor. And, wow. He just He, he really can do is anything. the Willie Harris of... Or maybe the Steve Lyons. He's the Steve Lyons of Star Trek. Well, it was fun talking about Chekhov today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you're 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 dealing with people who are, you know, stupid. I mean, you know, <laughs> s- stupid and and uh, just so clouded with bigotry and stuff like that that it's just like, well, what can you say to them? Earl Grey. Oh, that's right, because there was like a an engineer lady. Yeah, I think I think Jordy. She's, she's basically maybe? Ariel, and she wants more. She wants to see where the wait. Does she have are. some thingamabobs? The orb. I think that's the thing that Casey does is he he's able to take what the writers gave us and portray a man who is going to do a one eighty, and you're gonna mm-hmm. believe it. The ready room. In watching it again today, preparing for this, I was appreciative of the fact that Wesley was there going, gee whiz. To the journey! I did like that we got to see some genes in Enterprise. But that makes sense. I mean, it's yeah. kind of bridging the gap between 24th century and now. I don't want to see Captain Janeway in jeans. Because you know they'd be mom jeans, right? Commentary, Trek stars. I think that the term talk soup for geeks is actually very descriptive, which I still find very strange, because I still don't know how that possibly is an example that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of people who watch... Uh, as they call it now, the soup. I don't approve of that. That's disgusting. Okay. Literary treks. Each character had to go on a mission alone with Spock in a small craft, and that <laughs> led them all to decide to leave the Enterprise. I am not working with that guy alone ever again. <laughs> and introducing our newest show, Star Trek Axanar, the official podcast. Been having a great time experimenting with what works, what doesn't work. You know, what does a Klingon D6 sound like? No one really knows. We don't know what an impulse manifold on a on a or a fusion reactor on a D6 sounds like. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash PD for podcast directory to get all the links. Let's tell everybody where they can contact us if they'd like to share their thoughts on today's show. Just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. 
You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, and you can talk to us and our other listeners in our forums at trek.fm forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? You can find me right here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek Stars with Max. And you can also find me on commentarytrackstars.com where I do commentary Trek Stars off topic uh, with Max and Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D O U B L E O F I V E. You can find me on various other shows around the network. Got a couple iTunes reviews I'd like to read. The first one is from Section 47, and it's called The Best TOS Show Out There. Section 47 approves of this show. It is excellent, but please leave stealing Romulan cloaking devices to us, or we'll make sure you never existed. Fair enough. Uh, thank you Yeah, thanks, for the section. threat. <laughs> yeah. We can respect No, that. thank you for the review. Uh, very kind words. And the other one is from Chappie5574, and it's called Fresh Air for TOS. No Trek is better than your first Trek. Thanks for a breath of fresh air into TOS. Standard Orbit is full of wonderful topic discussions, some of which I would have never thought about in episode analysis. The topics that you never would have thought about all come from Mike. (laughs) I guess so. Sorry. (laughs) It happens. Wait till next week. (laughs) It's going to be interesting, ladies and gentlemen. It'll be awesome. It's going to be totally awesome. Well, reviews are very important to us, not only because we like to hear what you think about the show, but because it helps impact how we place in iTunes and Stitcher. Reviews make it easier for other Star Trek fans to find our shows. We know that it does take some extra time to visit iTunes and Stitcher to write the reviews, so as an added incentive to share your thoughts on our show, we're giving away some great prizes as part of a month-long promotion. These include a seasons of Star Trek, Your Choice, on Blu-ray or DVD, an official Starships collection ship from Japan, complete with Japanese magazines, Star Trek novels, and a full collection of our alien art badges. We've actually expanded the review promotion, and now it ends on midnight Pacific time, Sunday, August 17th. So there's still some times to get in some reviews, got some extra time to fill out the form, so that you can possibly win some of this cool stuff. We've even added a new giveaway item for those who reviewed the official Star Trek Axonar podcast. It's a set of three beautiful embroidered patches, complement of Alex Peters and Axonar. Winners will be drawn at random from all entries received from before midnight Pacific time on August 17th. All you need to do to enter is leave us a rating and review on iTunes and or Stitcher. You can only leave one review per show, of course, but you can review multiple shows and do so on both iTunes and Stitcher. And for each review, you'll receive one entry in the drawing. Remember that you can also review the master feed, and that'll give you an entry as well. So there are two steps. Leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher, and then visit www.trek.fm review and complete the form. So we're looking forward to hearing from you, and thank you for your support. Well, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, this week I have uh, Warped Factors, A Neurotic's Guide to the Universe, which was written by Walter Koenig and narrated by him. I believe this is his memoirs. He says, or it says... 
This is Koenig's story from growing up as the neurotic child of Russian immigrants in 1940s Manhattan through his rise to Star Trek fame as Pavel Chekhov, Russian navigator of the USS Enterprise and beyond. Koenig's very human narrative is full of the kind of insecurities and quirks to which anyone can relate. With wry wit, striking candor, and a true gift for storytelling, Koenig takes us on a sometimes bumpy but often hilarious trip through his galaxy. And uh, I don't know if you've ever like seen him talk or anything like that, but he's one of those guys who like will occasionally drop in words which you've never even heard before. Really? You know? He's like a very, very literate individual, so I imagine that his writing would be awesome. I think perhaps you'll need a thesaurus handy <laughs> just in case. But uh, you can get this book for free on audible.com since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Well, that was another character analysis that we did on poor, poor, poor Chekhov. Yep. Maybe the next analysis won't be so uh, down down on their luck. Maybe. But... Probably not. We're really getting into the uh, the characters where it's like, well... They sat there and said a line, so <laughs> good for them. Good for them. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Hi, sir. Mm.